thank you. That's kind. Um, happy birthday, Rocky. Rocky Graham's one of our longtime Assembly of God missionaries in Buenos Aires. Uh, is we here with us today, and it's his birthday. <laughs> and he uh, ran a Bible school much like ours, which I've been down there. I love it. Been in 80 countries. God is good. God is working everywhere. But I have some verses to share with you. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 9, starting with verse 14. I can't get out of these verses lately. It just keeps coming back to me and working on me. So I'm going to share just a f- four verses today. Matthew 9, starting with verse 14, let me read it. Then John's disciples came and asked him, How is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus answered, How can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and then they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. And neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No. They pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. Okay, let me go back and take this one verse at a time and sort of dissect it, because there's a lot of good stuff to mine in here. So I'm going to go back to verse 14. Then John's disciples came and asked him, How is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Now, I really wish that we had a tape recording of what is said in scripture. Wouldn't you like that? Like whenever there was a conversation, you could just put in, you know, a video and it would run, you could see it, you could hear the tone or whatever, and somehow or other you'd get the sound of what was being said. But we don't have that. All we can do is guess from the context what the situation might be. Now, this was John the Baptist's disciples who were coming to Jesus. Of all the people, he, they, should have known exactly who he was. After all, John the Baptist was the one who prepared the way for Jesus. He was the one who said, hey, you know, This is the Messiah, and he baptized him in the River Jordan. He was the one who um, said, you know, to everybody, he heard, he said, this, you know, I'm baptizing you, but I'm not worthy to to do that. And, And so John's disciples saw this. They, of all people, should have guessed that they were actually seeing the Messiah, And yet, here we have such an interesting verse. They've come up to him, and they are asking him an interesting question. I think that if we could hear the sound of this, the tone of this, that it might have sounded a little bit like this. How is it that we and the Pharisees fast, 
but your disciples do not fast. I think it was a little snarky. <laughs> I think there was a little bit of an attitude that we're hearing here in this question. I think it was a prideful question. I think they were coming up and saying, hey, you know, we got it together. We fast. And how come we fast? The Pharisees even fast. But you and your disciples do not fast. Here's the thing. They were asking this question of the Messiah. And if you had been Jesus, I wonder how you would have responded. I think if I were him, I would have said, <laughs> you're asking me that? I'm the person you've been waiting for all this time. You have been waiting for the Messiah. I'm right smack dab in front of you. You're looking at me. Hello. And you are asking a stupid question. Why is it that we in the Pharisees fast and you don't fast? I think he would have said, don't you get it? I'm right before your eyes. Uh, just wake up. You're missing it right over the top of the head. I feel sorry for John's disciples because, frankly, I don't know how I would have reacted if I had been alive at that time. I guess I'd like to think that I would have recognized Jesus as the Messiah. I guess I would have liked to have thought that I would have understood what that meant, that I wouldn't ask stupid questions. But you know what? I don't know. I don't know if I would have or not. Because I'm kind of dense sometimes. How about you? I mean, well, you don't have to answer that, but I'm dense then, okay? So there are times in which things just go past me. God is at work, and I don't see it. There are things that he's doing, and I don't know it. I'm missing him at work, and he's doing stuff right in front of my eyes. But it goes over my head. Now, Jesus had to answer this question. I mean, he was put on the spot. He had a question, what is he going to do with it? And Jesus had an interesting way of answering such questions. Almost all the time, if you really take a look at the Gospels, the way he handles it is not to answer the question directly. Very seldom does he kind of go off and give a whole explanation of it. Instead, he's very apt to ask a question back or tell a story or put together some kind of simile and metaphor. And that's what he did here. Simile and metaphor when you, or a little story, it, it makes people think. They don't get it right away. But that's what he was about. He wanted them to go away and think deeper. He wanted them to discover things on their own. So it says in verse 14, Jesus answered. Now that's interesting because the next thing he says is, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them and then they will fast. Now, if I had been John's disciples, I would have thought, what in the world are you saying? 
you know, I don't get, I asked a fasting question, and you're talking about a bridegroom. We have a helpful background because we know that the bridegroom that they're referring to, because there's other verses in Scripture, and we have them, but other verses give the idea that Jesus is the bridegroom, that he's going to come back for his church, that we are his bride, actually, that we need to be prepared for him, that we should be white and pure and righteous, like the white dress of a bride, and waiting for the bridegroom, so excited to be with the bridegroom. But at that point in time, John the Baptist's disciples probably didn't get that picture. However, they would have thought about it, I, I believe. He is basically saying here, I'm here for you. Just like a bridegroom is coming for his bride, and I'm going to do that a second time, but right now, I'm here for you. I am smack dab in front of you. I'm your bridegroom. Aren't you excited about me being here with you? You know, I am going to ask that question of all of us. Are we excited about Jesus? Are we excited when he's here? When he is at work, are we really thrilled about it? Are we realizing what we're seeing? Are we realizing what he's doing in our midst? The bridegroom is here. And like a bride, are we excited that the Holy Spirit, his Holy Spirit, is at work doing a miraculous and wonderful thing amongst us? We need to stay excited about Jesus. And I'll tell you, after working here for 30 years, that's right, 30 years, with students who came and went and are on the mission field, and are on pastoring all over the place. I know people everywhere. I love them. But I saw people who came here, and they ended up allowing Jesus to be squeezed out of their lives. They got busy. It's the middle of September. You haven't been here very long, but I guarantee you by the time the semester ends, you're going to be a little stretched. Do not miss Jesus. Do not be here and not allow him to be your bridegroom. Verse 16, he switches the metaphor entirely. He says, no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. What's interesting about this is that the tear is very fascinating. That, that tear in material 
they didn't have anything that was synthetic at that time. I mean, everything would shrink. Once it shrunk and you washed the garment, then if you got a hole, and you probably would want to patch it, not like today when you're glad there's a hole, but anyway, that's all right, that's another story. But if you wanted to patch it, I mean, they wore the same robe and clothes sometimes their whole life, so you were going to patch the thing. So if you took some of that old cloth and tried to patch the hole, that new cloth was not shrunk. And therefore, when you washed it, the cloth would shrink up and it would make the hole worse. It would tear away from the hole. You know, I think God is saying, Jesus is saying something very important here. So often in our own lives, we want him to take care and patch a hole in our lives. We have something that we feel we want him to do for us. We have some needs, and we pray about those needs, and we give them to the Lord, and we say, please take care of this. Please patch this hole. And we pray about it a lot. But you know what? I think Jesus is saying here, I don't do patch jobs. I want to give you a whole new set of clothes. I want to do something more than what you're asking for. I want to do something revolutionary in your life. I want to change you. I want to work in you. I want to do something so new and fresh that you can't possibly imagine it. And he's saying to them, why are you worrying about tiny little things like fasting, although that's good, and he did say we could do it later, but, you know, yeah, we do it now because the bridegroom's gone, but he's not, he's still here, he's still alive, he is still working, and he wants to give you a whole new set of clothes. He wants to do a whole new, fresh thing in you, right here, today, tomorrow, next month, and December. (laughs) He wants to keep working in you and changing you and doing much more than what you're even asking for him to do right now. And he wants you to open up to him too. I was preaching on this particular verse in the country of Chile. Uh, It was a women's conference. There were, it was just packed out, so many people there. There wasn't a single seat that was open. Um, So they had set up some chairs along the side. And um, I was, basically the whole room was just jammed. It probably wouldn't go past the fire code in the United States, but that's all right. We were in Chile. So here we are, you know, and, and I'm preaching away, talking about this verse. And this lady over on my right started to just weep. I am not saying that she got teary-eyed or anything. I'm, I'm talking downright tears. She, you know, the, she's crying. The tears are coming down her face. And, and I thought, you know, that's a good verse, but it's not that good. <laughs> I thought, what in the world is going on with her? I, I don't have a clue of what's happening with her. And so... I, I thought, well, you've got to concentrate, just keep preaching. Hopefully you'll find out. At the end, she came up to me, and she said, 
you, you probably saw me crying while you were talking about that one verse. And I said, yeah, <laughs> pretty obvious. But Anyway, she said, I had an amazing thing happen to me. She said, just about a month ago, I had a situation in which I had a dream. She said, I was dead asleep, and in this dream, Jesus came to me, and I was still dreaming, I think, and he woke me up, he took me by the hand, and in the dream, he took me through the streets, we wound our way around, and we came to this big warehouse. And she said it was huge. And he threw back double doors of the warehouse, and he said, go on in. So I went in, and he came in with me, and he said, see all this? And it was like the picture on the bottom half of the slide here, all of those clothes. The warehouse was totally full, totally full of new clothes. It was really pretty incredible. They were amazing from side to side, back to back in this whole big warehouse. And he said to her, you can take anything that you want. She said, anything? He said, yeah, any, anything you want. So she started looking through the clothes, and she found that everything fit her. Everything. In the whole warehouse, by the way. She went from place to place. She liked them all. They all were her size. They all were her style. They all were her color. And Jesus said, you can have them all if you want to. Do you see what God has for us? He not only has one outfit, he has many new outfits for you. All the way through your life, don't get bored with Jesus. Jesus keeps wanting to make you new. Last verse. Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins, and if they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No. They pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. Now, this is an interesting verse. It's one of those verses, and maybe you've had this happen, where the Lord just keeps taking you back to a certain verse and you can't get away from it. If you don't have that kind of time with him, you should. You, you should let the Holy Spirit read you while you read the word. And the Lord was speaking to me, but I, I just started to study it. I started to mine that verse. I looked at the old wineskins, how, how were the wineskins made, how is leather tanned, how is, and that's interesting by the way, but that's a whole other sermon, so I won't go there, but it's fascinating and it really applies spiritually, but how do you prepare that? And what he's saying here is, you know, they, they had to carry the wineskins around to have anything to drink because their water wasn't good at all, so it was these old wineskins would become really hard, you know, like a leather jacket that becomes hard or whatever, you've probably experienced that. And, and the wineskins would become hard. In fact, they would get the pulp of the, of the grapes 
into the, mixed in with the leather and, and the sugars would mix in with the leather and pretty soon that whole combination would just make a wineskin that was hard and, and almost flat. It, it just became almost useless. And so he's referring to those old wineskins here. And he said, if you put new wine into an old wineskin, you've got a problem. The new wine, all the way through scripture, is actually a symbol of the Holy Spirit. He's saying to them, I'm here. My spirit is here. My Holy Spirit is going to come. I'm going to send him. You can get baptized in Acts 2. He knew it was coming. He knew Pentecost was going to be here. He knew you could get baptized in the Spirit. The new wine was going to work. New wine isn't fermented all the way yet. It needs space. It needs elbow room. So when you get the new wine, you've, it's still working, and it's like, ooh, and the Holy Spirit does that sometimes. It's like, wow. And he wants to work in you. He wants to space in you. He wants to do new things in you. But I'm going to tell you what. If you're an old, hard wineskin, there's going to be a problem. According to Jesus in this metaphor, what is going to happen is that the wine, the new wine, is still going to keep being itself. It has to be itself. It is who he is. The Holy Spirit will still want to work. The Holy Spirit will still want space. <laughs> but you know what? Wow. If we're old wineskins, that new wine is going to find the weakest spot in, in us, and the wineskin is going to crack. It'll crack. It'll find the one little wrinkle that the calf had that is weaker than anything else, and it'll crack. And the wine will run out of the wineskin, and the wineskin will be ruined. Think about that dynamic for a while. You see, Jesus wants to make us new. He wants to keep making us new. You might say, well, I, I'm a changed person since I got saved. Good. When was that? What about today? Does he have a new thing today? Does he have a new set of clothes from that warehouse for you today? Yes, he does. Every day he has something new for you. Every day he wants space. Every day he wants to work through you. All of the time. And I don't want to get to be an old, hard wineskin. You know, after studying all of this, I still kept going back to that verse. I felt that the Spirit had another thing yet that he wanted to share with me, and it was like I was at a loss. I thought I, I figured out. I, I don't know what else there can be in here. And I found myself praying, God, please come. Send a new thing in me. Change me. Do a fresh work. Send revival. Do something new, God. And I was praying for the new wine, and I said, God, send the new wine so that I can be made new, 
send the new wine so that I can be changed into a new wineskin. And one night as I was praying, I felt like the Lord said to me, you've got it wrong. It's your move. See, I was saying, God, send the new wine to make me a new wineskin. And he was saying, if I send the new wine before you're made a new wineskin, you'll break. Oh. You see, we have to make the first move. We have to say, God, I'm willing. I'm willing to be new. And you might say to me today, I don't have any clue how to make that happen. That's fine. I remember that I said to the Lord the same thing. I, I don't know how to make that happen. I have no idea where to go next to make myself a new wineskin. But I'm telling you, God did the work. He did it. He made me ready. He changed me. And I could sit up here today and I could say to you, here's how it happened for me. But you know what? I'm not going to do that. Because how he did it for me is not how he's going to do it for you. How he did it for me is not what he has in mind for each individual person. You will have your own way of finding your wineskin. But you've got to decide. Isaiah 43, 18 to 19 says, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Do you not perceive it? God is doing a new thing. He's doing a new thing all over the world. I just read an article about Guinea-Bissau. They just had a revival. The president, who is actually a Muslim, decided that an evangelist needed to get into the country, and he personally got the stage for the evangelism evangelists to stand on over the border. They brought it in, and God started to move, and people started to get healed. And so many people got saved, tons of young people. They took to the streets all throughout Guinea-Bissau, praising God because they had been changed. And that Muslim nation is turning Christian before our eyes. This just happened. God is here. God is here today. He is here for you. Would you stand with me, please? God wants to give you a new view today. He wants you to look out like that picture, look out the windows and see a view, a view bigger than you, a view of God's kingdom, a view that'll blow your mind. And he's inviting you today. Come, come to the altars, he says. And I'll do a new work in you all over again. I've got new clothes. Father God, 
I pray that you would make these people, all of them, each one new and do a new work in them today as they come forward to the altars. And we praise you, God, that you are mighty and wonderful, a Messiah who has come for us and is still alive and working through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we bless your name today. Amen. Come on forward. God has something new and fresh for you today.